Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Beginners to stage, beginners to stage. Hello everyone and welcome to another of our Cry Havoc backstage episodes. In this episode, we are talking about the casting of the show. I am your host, Laurie Ann Davis, and with me today I have April Sumner and Amani Zardo. Please, could you introduce yourselves with pronouns and give us some context as to how you are involved in the show? So, Amani first. I'm Amani. I am directing Cry Havoc. Ask questions later. Lovely. And April? I'm April. I am the executive producer for the series. And could I have your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Same, she, her. Uh, same for me as well. Right. Let's get into this then. So, the first thing that I want to know is what's the first thing that you ask yourself or you take into consideration? Where do you start, basically? when you're casting a show this large? Because there are a lot of parts in this. Oh, gosh. 
that's hilarious. I actually meant to like go through the list and count how many characters we had because I was like, that would be a fun thing to do. And I haven't. I also <laughs> had those good intentions and did not. <laughs> I skimmed out because it, it's been a year and a half maybe yeah. now since we did the casting for it. Actually, I think it's just about a year. I think we started doing it around April last year. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because we started recording in the summer. But yeah. Yeah, from my end, in terms of like, when we first go through the casting process in terms of logistically, is we basically assess like how many main characters we have and how many secondary characters we have, which would have been really great. Yeah, to look through the spreadsheet and think back on how many that was. I think it was maybe about like, six main characters and six secondary characters. And then a whole extra list of like tertiary characters. Yeah. And essentially process wise, we basically go through and decide who are our mains, who are our secondary. And then we create this big casting list and we have people audition for key roles. So for the primary and secondary, and we list those in a casting sheet and let people know, Hey, these are main roles. These are secondary ones. And then from those auditions, we basically decide those main parts and then reallocate anything that are extra incidental people who are background characters and sometimes we'll reuse people a lot of people have been present for like walla or we'll use people who weren't quite the right fit for one of the main roles but who we think still had a really great audition and find another role for them yeah can i ask how do you differentiate between like a secondary and a main role is it literally like number of lines we do go through and list the main amount of lines. For me, I tend to go through the show Bible. So the creator and the director, David and Monty actually have been working through this since the very beginning of the process. Monty was working excellently as a story supervisor, working with David through the creation of it. And they basically break out the main story arcs for characters. And so essentially we take the main characters as people who have their own through story arc. And then the secondary characters are people who influence those but aren't necessarily carrying their own main arc through the story. Oh, interesting. Okay. I realized actually what probably should have been my first question was like, what was both of your involvement in casting? We'll say Moni was a lot heavier in the casting process. I was just like, <laughs> I know, I know how we start the process in general, but uh, the <laughs> casting for this show was a lot more Moni. Yeah, no, that was, I think, super helpful for like breaking down technically how we identify, yeah, lead in smaller roles. Yeah, I've never cast anything this big actually before. This was kind of a, a massive show to cast, but I, I guess I, I was very clear in my head from, you know, the work that I did with David leading up to casting on you know the size of characters what we were looking for specifically for each character I think one of the main things that I was thinking about was and which I talked to you know David and and April about was creating the world of the show and how that influenced the decisions we made certain choices that we lent towards like accents diversity things like that yeah, I wanted to really like widen the pool as much as possible. And April was amazing at just kind of throwing all of the Rusty Quill sort of support my way. So, yeah, we used the whole massive Rusty Quill database. We also used Spotlight, which was super helpful just to kind of expand the search. I also had some links with an organization called Mina Arts UK. And so kind of reached out to them for ethnically specific roles. Oh, okay. What is MENA? MENA stands for Middle Eastern North African. Oh, right. And uh, they have an organization called MENA Arts UK, uh, which a friend of mine is part of. And I signed up to two. 
And uh, yeah, they're kind of like a spotlight for Middle Eastern British creatives. You have everyone from actors to directors and writers, playwrights, technicians. Oh, that's a great resource. I would say your connection and like access suggestion for putting that casting call in Mina was, I think, a huge part of us being able to get this cast the way we wanted it. Because, yeah, the casting process definitely like took a while because I know you guys like decided very early on how to widen the normally very narrow aspects of Roman drama or dramedy. And I, I think, yeah, you and David had some really, really great ideas, particularly your resources that you were able to put into that as well was really helpful. Thanks. Yeah. Always good to get uh, as many people in as possible. Yeah. So something that you've kind of mentioned there was, it sounds like you had a really strong idea of what you were looking for for every character. Is, is that true? Did I interpret that correctly? Yeah, I had a pretty clear idea because otherwise, where do you start? It's so hard. Well, like, yeah. Anyone could play any character, you know. Also, I find that if you want to cast with, diversity at the heart of it sometimes it's helpful to like actually make some quite clear decisions when you're going in so you make sure you are filling those roles the way that you kind of set out to while obviously keeping in mind that someone else might come along that might be perfect for a role and then you kind of adjust accordingly yeah but yeah I had very specific ideas of the kind of voices that I was looking for so when I say diversity there's like multiple levels of diversity right for me it was really important that every character sounded very specific so that the audience knows immediately who they're with. And so that meant that we wanted a diverse range of accents and vocal qualities, vocal characteristics, as well as obviously, you know, an actor's kind of personality that comes through their voice and, and how they might interpret a character. And on top of that, obviously, like, Rusty Quill has an ethos of, you know, being a a very open and inclusive and uh, diversity in terms of employment is important to them and is something that's really important to me and my work. So yeah, we wanted to make sure that we weren't just casting a white Roman show. Yeah, There's plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, there are enough of those. I, I would say this is generally done like very intentional from the beginning. There were several characters that Imani like, straight up was just like, I really want to make sure that we've got this type of sound for, for this character to convey you know, their personality, like particularly the leads with Mark and Octavia. Uh, I know Octavia was like one particular too, but Mark was one. I think a lot of times that you were just like, he's somebody of status, but also a man of the people. And I think that there's also a lot of really interesting points in like the writing that kind of reflect that as well. Yeah, it was really, I think some really interesting discussions early on of like how specifically we want to reflect these types of personality traits in the casting decisions and then yeah like my my thought on it always like when we started it was like Hamilton mm -hmm. where it's like historical but you go with kind of the best fit for that person and that character but like when you're casting diversely you also have to do so with intention and Amani and David were really great early on with structuring that in such a way that they're like this is the intention for this character and this is the type of voice that we want and the type of you know, person that we want to reflect while making sure that we avoid stereotyping. And I think that was the other thing is like really clear about you can have all types of voices for a type of person and, and trying to make sure that we're balancing that. Yeah, totally. Like I think class was also a big thing when we were thinking about this. Like there are 
kind of traditionally some stereotypes within the UK about what class or status uh, someone has based off of their accents. And David and I kind of just wanted to really do away with all of that. So Throw all that out. Yeah, yeah just get rid of that. All was of something that. I wasn't familiar with really at all. <laughs> so I, yeah. <laughs> You're just like, mm, but this accent has this kind of uh, of connotation to it. I was like, does it? it? Just sounds British. Everything sounds fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do I sound fancy to you? Because my accent is not associated yes, with fancy. Absolutely, you do. It's funny because yeah, you're you're one early on that they're just like, oh yeah, she's Welsh, and now like I hear people make comments about like Welsh or Northern accents, and I'm like, all of it sounds posh. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant everybody's fancy and drinking tea i don't i don't know the difference so yeah the class the class thing is a really really good point of how we we wanted to break those stereotypes as much as like physical stereotypes as we do with like vocal stereotypes and i definitely had to lean more on amani for that one because i I, I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I think a lot of our American audience may not be either. So it's just sort of an interesting fun fact that I think the British audience will pick up on a little bit more. I certainly appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've given it like a lot, a lot of thought. So it was a very conscious decision then to make Rome a UK diverse accented people, I guess. Yeah. So that was like, that was something else that we talked about quite early on, actually, April and I, because obviously we wanted to create coming back to what i said earlier about the world of the show obviously ancient rome was a super multicultural extremely diverse place in the world at that time with people from all over the place who would have been speaking different languages and had different accents so there was an argument for you know really blowing this out and having accents from everywhere but since Cleopatra and Charmian play such a big part in the series, I thought it was important to kind of create a sort of cultural distinction between the Romans and the Egyptians, as it were, <laughs> quote unquote. And so it just made sense after, you know, talking it over to make the kind of Roman world predominantly British, but not limiting it to sort of your traditional London upper class accent and rather blowing that out and having regional accents from all around the UK which would then leave room for us to ensure that Cleopatra and Charmian sound very different, you know? Yeah. I think that was something that I, I particularly like appreciated because there was a few times where we had background voices in the Wallow sessions that were American accents because we have a few, <laughs> few American people. So there's, there's, here's a fun little hint for some people try to see if you can spot where the American is in, in some of the background characters because yeah even even then trying to show that difference between like this is ultimately you know it's talking about the romans and the egyptians and so we did want to create diversity amongst those groups while also still showing it's this group of people and culture that's interacting with this other group of people and culture and i think by spreading out that roman beyond like the uk vocal region would have muddied that distinction I think a little bit totally yeah hmm. yeah I don't know how much we want to talk about this but like do you have any thoughts on the casting of Cleopatra because that historically has I know there's been some controversial castings of Cleopatra yeah I'm happy to dive in I feel like it's it's important to talk we had so it. many conversations about how to do that yeah we had so <laughs> many conversations about this yeah I'm sure you did what were they like what was coming up well I think you know 
I kind of totally get the controversy around Cleopatra's casting generally as someone who's North African and Asian, super mixed race. You know, Cleopatra is one of those, like, it's like the only queen really that we have that's super powerful and very cool through history who is not white and has been extremely frustrating growing up and never seeing her portrayed anyway but white. So this was something that we thought a lot about, but obviously... It's complicated because historically, or like actually, Cleopatra was not Egyptian. Her whole ancestral line was Greek. And so she would have been fairly light-skinned and European, right? But yeah, April and I kind of talked this over a lot. And uh, in keeping with also our aim of making sure the show was diverse and that we had a range of accents and also trying to find a way of making... Cleo feel culturally different so we actually when we were auditioning we were looking at actors from Africa from Europe from Turkey from North Africa from uh, the Middle East and yeah so so we were actually we were quite open-minded about like where exactly her accent could come from I felt like Although it's a show set in ancient Rome, it's also very contemporary. And so I felt like we had room, you know, to make it what, what worked best for us and for the show. And yeah, I ended up going with Lara, who is a half Jordanian, half British actress, which I think was a great choice. I mean, aside from her being a fantastic actress, you know, she basically grew up her whole life half in Jordan, half in the UK. So she has a really good, you know, just totally embedded understanding and feel for both cultures, which is so helpful in, in her interpretation of Cleopatra, but also in her, under, you know, her total obvious understanding of the scripts and the humor and the nuances of, you know, David's writing. So I don't know, April, was there anything like? No, I mean, I think honestly, you, you pretty much like covered everything. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, of discussion early on and, and basically the only hard line that we had really decided that we didn't want, we wanted to make sure that she wasn't a white British woman. Yeah. Because it's been too often that she's been portrayed totally. that way. It's like, that's been done. Yeah, it's been done. Yeah, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't specific about like where that would be because we, we threw out such a wide range of options. But yeah, we, we mostly tried to take out Europe from the picture and then work from there. <laughs> I think Lara's audition and Sarah's audition for Charmian came from Mina auditions. Yeah, so Lara I knew a little bit before we worked together. Uh, so I reached out to her personally and asked her if she would like to audition. Sarah Aga actually reached out to me having seen the post we put out on the Mina Arts website. She had actually like auditioned for me once before. I'd seen some of her stuff and liked her a lot, but we hadn't had a chance to work together. So that was nice to have her turn turn up and, and be like, hey, I saw this. So yeah, it all, tur- it all turned out great, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you, you had these really strong ideas of who the characters were from all the work you'd done on them. Did you have anyone who auditioned where you were like, oh, I actually, you've done something very different there, but I like it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm trying to think back. Uh... I know that Ryan was one that I think had auditioned for Antilus, I want to say, but we actually ended up casting him as Sextus. Yeah, Ryan auditioned for Gaius. I think there were some of those where we had auditions where they auditioned for somebody else and we were like, you know what? Actually, I think we found the person for this character. Yeah, like it was like, absolutely not for this, but you are so good and I can totally see you 
for this other part. Mm. Yeah, Ryan then eventually obviously plays uh, Sextus Pompey. So yeah, we had a few a few things like that. Anyone who jumped out at you when you, they auditioned, you were like, oh, yeah, hi, <laughs> you're this person. I see it. Oh, yeah. Aaron Lewis Cadogan, who plays Antilus. Oh. I mean, pretty much the minute I heard his tape, I was like, oh, well, yes, you're our Antilus. <laughs> Yeah, totally. He does a really excellent impression of Kazim as well. Yeah. (laughs) Also, we tried to avoid um, pre-casting. That's something that, Mm. like, we we generally wanted to make sure that with both this and with our previous Project C's, we wanted to expand out. But there was one character that was, like, cast pretty much from the conception, which was Andy. Oh, who plays (laughs) Lepidus. Lepidus was written, like, at the time Andy was in mind. (laughs) He really was. And I mean, just perfect. Honestly, speaking (laughs) as one of the editors, I don't know if ad lib is the right word because he sticks to the script, but he adds extra bits and, like, cutting them sometimes is heartbreaking because they're so good. I can't picture anybody else doing that. Like, it's just, it. yeah, Lepidus is Andy. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 wonderful, all that extra material that he gives you. It's like, oh, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I really hope that he takes that as a compliment, Lepidus is Andy and not, uh, <laughs> like, oh, you think I'm this buffoon? <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he would take it as a compliment. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love our cast so much. I, I feel like can. everyone is so, yeah. they really nail their their parts and mm. uh, feel so lucky that you know because it was a complicated schedule also to work it was a, it's a big show with a big cast the schedule was complicated and I just feel really lucky that it all worked out we only technically finished recording last week <laughs> <laughs> a whole year later almost um. <laughs> that's made me think like you were casting fictional versions of real people or people who have existed in a lot of cases like mark antony cleopatra was that something that you were taking into consideration at all? Or sounds like maybe not? Yeah, I mean, it was such a long time ago. Like, how do we even know what they actually were like specifically? We don't really know. Yeah. yeah. There were some specifics that we took from history. Like, obviously, you know, Mark Antony, we know that he put out all this propaganda about himself. You know, the, the Roman coins with his profile. And he has this, like, massive neck. So, he, you know, we know that he wanted to portray himself as this very sort of masculine, muscular, strong man of the people type and there are stories on the other hand about Gaius being sick on the battlefield or like you know having having to sit out battles because he had the flu or something (laughs) (laughs) so you know we like took those things and we're like I think David took those things and was like cool let's take these like stereotypes and then let's see how we can make them more interesting so Mark in the show feels like you know Kazim has a has this gorgeous like deep very masculine voice and and Harry who plays uh, Gaius has this lovely uh, kind of super versatile voice that's uh, not quite as deep as Kazim I guess been. more musical I don't yeah, yeah very yeah very musical and uh, super versatile and uh, anyway so we took things from history but in the show it was important to me and David that we break away from those stereotypes as April was saying earlier so yes there are aspects of Mark in the show where he seems quite macho possibly and all like you know wanting to charge into battle and and all of that and on the other hand is actually extremely sensitive and uh, similarly for Gaius like you know kind of leaning into the the very um, conscientious slightly nerdy brains of the operation but also has an ability to be pretty tough uh, himself to not give anything away. I think Fulvia is a really good example of like how we did kind of reflect that stereotype a little bit more because Fulvia like historically is 
just this really amazing, like, powerful woman and fascinating to actually, like, read about and, and delve into the various things that she did to actually influence power in Rome in those early stages. And I think Beth does that voice fantastically of just mm. very regal and commanding and intentional and she terrifies me <laughs> she's such the sweetest person but yeah there's something about her vocal performance particularly that just feels like you feel that that kind of like power and intent totally yeah yeah another like super versatile actor yeah she does amazing things with her voice yeah i don't know if we have anything historically about quintus but uh i, I did just want to like say that ben's portrayal of quintus in the theater is hilarious and a delight <laughs> And I think just like his dynamic with Sarah, so the Octavia and Quintus scenes mm. and the theater mm. scenes and stuff are some of my favorite for feeling very modern. Yeah. In that setting. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's a fun series and it's been a fun series to work on. And I really appreciate the work that Amadia David and the cast did with really like bringing it to life. And just, it's such an expansive project and it's been so like difficult with so many people for such a long period of time. And the the cast on this really really pulled it out of the park yeah do you know what your producer senses april are amazing that's <laughs> such a lovely out and we are just about coming to time so i'm gonna use that perfect <laughs> thank you both i mean i feel like basically what i did was sat here and asked you to just tell me about meetings you had like <laughs> a year and a half two years ago so tell me about those meetings and you have done so very, very beautifully. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming backstage with us, listener. That's it from us. We will say goodbye. And I will definitely see you on the next one. And who knows who I'll be joined with then? <laughs> <laughs> only the slate can tell. <laughs> yes, only, only the, the sheet that I have open in the other tab can tell me. But I'm not going to look. So have a lovely day, everyone. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. Backstage at Cry Havoc is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Armani Zardo, produced by Laurie Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner. This episode was edited by Laurie Ann Davis and Catherine Vernella. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.